0: so happy lent Uh, you're supposed to respond in kind there we go happy lent there we go it's kind of like you know merry christmas blessed easter Uh, happy lent right no not so much how many of you were here for ash thursday it's a new tradition here at Emmanuel. If uh, you ever been to those service, the Ash Wednesday, what do we do? We put the ashes on our forehead, and we say, remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. It means that one day you're going to be worm food. <laughs> you're going you're to die. I mean, that's a, that's a happy message there, isn't it? Well, Lent is usually pretty serious, isn't it? We have 40 days, and we give up stuff. How many of you like to give up stuff? Anybody like giving up stuff? Some of you do. If you, you can give up bad stuff, right, you could give up worry for Lent. That'd be a good thing, right? You could, uh, you could give up trouble for Lent. You could give up, oh, I don't know, criticism for Lent. Those are some good things. But usually we, we do things where we have to suffer just a little bit to remind us of what Jesus went through. How many of you have given up some kind of a food or drink substance, all right? So maybe anybody giving up meat for Lent, some people still do that. How about chocolate? Sweets, dessert, uh, drinking anything, coffee, milk, the saying, water, alcohol. You know, usually the stress of Lent makes me want to drink a little bit more. You know, I don't give it, give it up, I go a little more. So we have all of these things that we give up for Lent. And sometimes as we are going through the journey, it gets a little tiresome. It feels like it's, it's a grind, and we wonder, are we ever going to make it through Lent? Now, what's on the other side of Lent? Anybody? Easter, right? It's Easter, and so we have this great celebration. So I would like for you to think a little bit differently maybe this year. Maybe you've never quite thought of it this way before. So I want you to have a little more fun during Lent this year, Okay. So, this is, this is a really fun thing to do. Go to McDonald's on Friday. And when all the Catholics are eating the fish sandwich, get a double cheeseburger. So, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. You can do that. You can also have breakfast for dinner if you are giving up meat. I mean, that's my favorite meal of the day. I could eat breakfast. You can't have the sausage maybe, but, you know, pancakes would be good. You could do that. It's a time of reflecting and giving stuff up. So maybe giving up TV, that might be a good thing. Some of you really ought to get, get rid of social media altogether. I mean, truly. <laughs> uh, get a life, would you? You know, get rid of all the social media. Do that. Play some board games with your children for Pete's sake. How about some cards at night? Or just reflect. You know, think about life, maybe renew your your faith uh, in the Lord. So those are all some good things. So as we look at Lent, go ahead and put up the the first note there for Lent. It is a journey, but it's only six weeks, and you can do anything for six weeks, don't you think? You can do it for six weeks, but we need to understand really what the six weeks is all about. We have 40 days of reflection, repentance, and renewal. And it follows the pattern of Jesus, and we're going to get into his temptations here in just a moment. But I want someone to do the math for me. I don't know if you've thought about this before. It took me a long time to figure this out. How many days is it from Ash Wednesday to Easter? Anybody do the math? You counted them up? It is exactly 46 days. And yet there's only 40 days in Lent. So how do you get the math? Well, you take out the Sunday. You take out the Sunday. So we have six Sundays in Lent, but only 40 days of Lent. And the reason we do that is because it can be a grind. We can get discouraged, especially if you fall into temptation, which which is what our story is about today. If we give in to the wiles of the devil, if we listen to his voice rather than the voice of God, and so much, so often the voice of the devil is, see, you couldn't really give up that stuff. (laughs) You like your chocolate so much, right? You just couldn't do it. You are so weak. That's what the devil says. And he says, you don't really love God because if you did, you'd give up that chocolate. And then he whispers and says, And your God can't forgive you because you're too bad of a person. We need the Sunday. Look at the cross and the sacrifice that Jesus has made. And we need to remember the victory of the empty tomb. That's why Sundays are so important, especially during Lent especially when you're getting tired in this grind we call life, to be renewed, to be rejuvenated, to hear again that you are forgiven, to come to the Lord's table, to receive Christ's body and blood, to be reminded of the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. So that's what we're going to do during these next 40 days or six weeks, however you want to look at it. We're going to follow this pattern. Now let's go back to the temptations of Jesus. He is led by whom? Do you remember in the reading? Who leads Jesus to the wilderness? The Spirit. The Spirit. For one purpose, and that is to be tempted by the devil. And it's so that Jesus can win the victory, so he can overcome the temptation. It's a precursor of the final judgment The final victory, which happens when Jesus dies and then rises. Now, let's go all the way back in history to the Old Testament. There was a similar incident, but it wasn't just one person. It was God's entire nation, the nation of Israel. They've just left Egypt. They've gone through the Red Sea. And God says it's going to take about 40 days for you to get to the promised land of Canaan, this land flowing with milk and honey. But I'm going to give you a few tests along the way. Does it remind you of the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve? Got one test for you. What was it? Don't eat from the one tree. All the rest you can have, just not this tree. Now all of his people. Just a couple of tests along the way. I'm going to see how long it's going to be before you grumble and groan and complain. And it wasn't but a day or two. And all of a sudden, what are the people saying? We're hungry. We're hungry. Give us something to eat so moses goes to god and says give the people something to eat so they get manna which is kind of like these wafers that we have here in in holy communion how would you like to eat that every single day you wouldn't would you you want a little meat with that right give us some meat the people said so god gave them quail that wasn't good enough either they said give us some filet mignon we want a little beef how about a hot dog for pete's sake Spam—that'd be better than what we're getting. And then they got thirsty. Quail must have been a little dry. Give us some water. And on and on they just grumbled and complained. And so what did God do? To take forty days, I'm going to make it forty years. Fast forward again to Jesus. He is led by the Spirit, so he can overcome the devil. Now, only three of the temptations are listed. There are probably a whole bunch more. The first one is the stone. Jesus is hungry. He's gone 40 days without eating. In all of these cases, we see that Jesus always turns to the Word of God. And in each case, he reminds us that is where our power lies as well, in the Word. In the power of God. Now go ahead to the second point here. We need to understand the whole history of Lent. Originally, it was established for new Christians. This is the way that it went. On Ash Wednesday, we would begin catechism class. How many of you have ever been through a catechism class, Lutheran, Catholic, or otherwise, anybody? Most of us have. How long did you have to go? Anybody, how long did you have to go? Two years, some three years, I went to a Lutheran school. We had eight years of catechism. I still have a twitch from that. (laughs) Right? Forty days of catechesis. With the idea that at the end and on Holy Saturday, the day before Easter Sunday, you would be baptized. Now, in about the third or fourth century, when almost the entire world civilized world was christianized everyone now is a christian so there isn't the catechesis but now it's a time of renewal very much like today isn't it the time of renewal but now here's the problem at least the problem that i have let's see if you can relate to this or not how many of you have ever been tempted to turn stones into bread anybody raise your hand What? Nobody? All right, anybody ever been tempted to jump off the highest part of the temple in Jerusalem to see if an angel would swoop down and protect you? No? You see, here's the thing. You are not the Messiah, and I am not the Messiah. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, you are not the Messiah. All right, can you do that? Then say this, you may think you are, say that, you may think you are, and some of you act like it, and some of you act like it, but you're not. What we want to do this morning is not look so much at the actual temptations, but at the resolution. Look to the solution that Jesus used. And in all cases, he turns to the Word of God, and he focuses on the very first commandment. Now, a lot of you, you raised your hand before and you said that you've been through the catechism. So one of you tell me, what is the very first commandment? Now, you know this. It was in the catechism. Anybody? You shall have no other gods before me, right? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And that is the point of all these temptations. The devil comes to Jesus and says, if you are the Son of God, all right, let's say you are the Son of God, then, as God, use your power to serve yourself. And what does Jesus say? Man does not live. We do not live. Humans do not live by physical stuff. We do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is so much more important. And Jesus then later lived this out. He took some loaves, later not stones, but he took loaves and a few fish, and he fed 5,000. He used his power not for himself, but for the good of others. And then when the devil says, all right, we're going up to the highest part of the temple, throw yourself down. doesn't, doesn't God promise that his angels will protect you? In the Psalms, go, look it up. And Jesus again says, Yes, God could protect me from every physical calamity. But he has a greater plan. And later on, God the Father could have protected Jesus from the cross. He had a greater plan. Save all human humankind by his death. And God has a greater plan for you as well. And then finally, takes him up to the high mountain. Says, look at all of this stuff. All you got to do is bow down to me and I will give it all to you. Don't you find that a little ironic? To tell God, (laughs) I'll give you all the stuff you already created that already belongs to you if you just bow down and worship me. And he says, get out of here. There's only one God. And even I, as the son of God, Jesus says, I will be loyal and obedient and honor and worship the heavenly Father alone. First commandment throughout. We can identify with the solution that God has a plan for us that he is in charge. And his plan is far, far better than anything we could ever imagine. So I don't know, maybe you cannot relate to each of those three temptations, but we we can relate to the solution. But I think we can relate to the big temptation, if you'll put that up there. I think the biggest temptation for all of us is to listen to the words of the world the words that the devil has whispered into every single ear, and that is that you are in charge. You're the captain of your ship. You're the leader of your destiny. Take the driver's wheel. Don't let anybody else tell you where to go. Isn't that the message? Well, my friends, if you think you're in charge, you're a fool. I know that. Every time I go to a funeral, and I know the plans that people have made, especially when it's a young person, If your plan fails, so many people believe that their world is over. I read a heart-wrenching story this week about a young man. Maybe you read it too. He was in high school. He was a football player, very popular kid a good kid, doing what's right. But then there was this evil person. Sent him a text. It was a trap. So that he would do something that he ordinarily would not have done. He was inviting a sexual encounter. And it invited him to expose himself in a way that he never would. And then afterward, this evil person threatened this young man and said that he was going to share that video with his mother and that, in fact, she's probably already seen it. And with his father and with his siblings and with all of his classmates. And this young man, as so many of us, no matter our age, would have thought, he thought that his world was over. That his mother couldn't love him anymore if she just saw this terrible thing. And he'd be bullied by all the people at his school. And he'd lose their respect. And he had a tortured night of the soul. And the next morning, his father found him dead. We need to understand that we all have plans. I have plans for my future. You have plans for your future. And yet God has a better plan. And when our plans do not come to fruition, it is not the end of the world. It is certainly not the end of our life with God. He's in charge. It is His kingdom and His power and His glory. And so how do we get through these temptations? How do we get through the grind of life? How do we get through the next 40 days? How do we face all these challenges? What do we do when we're lost in the wilderness? Well, we do exactly what Jesus did. You may recall that just before his temptation. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized. And he hears the words of his heavenly Father. This is my beloved Son. In him I am well pleased. And the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus. He was now marked as the Messiah, the one who would go forward not only to overcome temptation, but to defeat the devil. And not just the devil, but also sin itself. And not just sin, but the result of sin, which is death. And so when he is tempted out there in in, in the wilderness, Jesus recalls the words, This is my son. This is my son. You are the Messiah. You are the Savior. In you, I am well pleased. You will fulfill my plan. And then later on, when Jesus ascends into heaven, he tells his disciples, which includes all of us, he says, all power, all power in heaven and in earth has been given to me. And he gives that same power to you and to me. And so when the devil whispers in your ear, and he will. When the world gives you false messages, and they will. When it feels like your world has ended. When your plans are thwarted and it looks like there's only a brick wall in front of you. and You don't know how in the world you're going to get through. Remember who you are. You're a child of God. Beloved sons and daughters, so valuable that God would send Jesus to the cross to die for you. And you have so much power, the same power of the resurrection. The Holy Spirit revived Jesus from the grave. And he can revive your life. And he can give you the power to say no. And even when you give in, he gives you the forgiveness because nothing will ever separate you from his love. No sin, no temptation, not even death itself. So how will you make it? Remember who you are. And remember that Jesus has already won the victory. And that's why we meet every single Sunday to proclaim that victory and to come together as a people of God to encourage one another through whatever you might go through. Amen? Amen. Let's all rise. So, Happy Lent. Happy Lent. I mean, that's what we do, right? Right? I say Merry Christmas, you say Merry Christmas. I say Blessed Easter, you say Blessed Easter. So, Happy Lent, right? Come on. Happy Lent! All right, I know, I know, that's not what we usually do, I know that. So how many of you were here on Ash Thursday? It's a new tradition here in Emmanuel, right? Ash Thursday, or you, you know, you've done the routine in the past, Ash Wednesday, put the ashes on our forehead, and the words are, remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Basically, what we said on Thursday or other year's Wednesdays is that you are worm food and you are all going to die. So how do you feel about that? Anybody? Good, warm, fuzzy feelings inside? Uh, Not so much. I mean, Lent is supposed to be serious. We give up stuff. How many of you are giving up stuff for Lent? Anybody? You don't have to tell me what it is. How many of you are, though? You can raise your hand. If you're giving up food stuff, any food, sweets, chocolate, meat, Things you drink, coffee, tea, alcohol, milk, water, just asking. So is it fun to give stuff up? Not usually. You know, why don't, why don't we change this whole thing around a little bit and make it a little happier? How about we give up worry this year? Can you do that? Give up worrying instead of, you know, stuff where you have to suffer a little bit. How about giving up criticism? Is that a good thing? Give up criticism. All right. How about giving up, holding a grudge? Can you do that? So let's just kind of change the whole thing. Let's think about Lent as a journey, okay? A fun journey. Because what's, what's at the end of Lent? Anybody? What's at the end? Easter. Easter's at the end. It ends happy. Happy Easter. Blessed Easter. Good stuff. The resurrection. So look at it a little bit differently. In fact, you can have a lot of fun with Lent. Now, don't tell anybody you heard it here. But this Friday, go to McDonald's and when all the Catholics are ordering the fish sandwich, get a double cheese. Just <laughs> the saying. Because we don't have to give up stuff. We get to give up stuff. We can give up stuff to draw us closer to Jesus, to understand better what his suffering were. His sufferings were, but even more so to understand how much he loved us by going through it. So, Lent's a journey, six weeks, 40 days. Now, I was a kid, and I never got this. I wish someone would have explained it to me earlier, so I'm going to explain it to you. Maybe you already know this. How many days are there from Ash Wednesday to Easter? How many? Forty-six. Forty-six. It's not 40, it's 46, 40 days of Lent, because the Sundays are not a part of Lent. We are in Lent, but we are not of Lent, which means that Sundays are all mini-Easters, right? Mini-Easters, so we get together, we celebrate the victory that Jesus has already won. So we're going to follow the pattern of Jesus throughout these 40 days. We're going to talk about the events of his life, including today, as it all began with his temptations, which we'll get to in, in just a moment. But we understand that these Sundays is when we gather together as a people of God to celebrate. And so I can say, happy Lent. Right? All right, go ahead to the next point there. We need to have a little history of Lent. Originally, Lent was established for new Christians. Lent is, is about the coming of spring and, of course, the, the coming of the resurrection. So, new Christians then would be catechized. How many of you have been catechized? Raise your hand. Yeah, well, did you go through catechism class? Anybody? You've been catechized, right? How many of you went two years? Raise your hand. Two. Some of you. How about three? Some of you, three. I went eight. Yeah, I'm traumatized. I, I still have a little twitch, right, because of all that, Right. You know, it was, it was a lot to go through, but yet it was so worth it because we learned so much about the love of God through it. Well, in the early days, it was only 40 days from around Ash Wednesday to Holy Saturday. So everyone would be baptized after they learned about the Bible, the Word of God, and the love of God through Jesus. Then on Saturday, right before Easter, they would be baptized. Now, all of that changed later on. Those new Christians, you put up the next uh, point there, in the beginning it was all about their identity or their vocation. So identity is you are a child of God. Remember what God the Father said to Jesus the Son at his baptism? Now we didn't read that today, but it's in chapter three of Matthew if you go back and read it. At his baptism, the word of the Father came to the Son. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He's the Messiah. He is preparing for his journey. And now he's going to be led into the desert by the Holy Spirit for the sole purpose of being tempted and overcoming the devil. Well, in the same way, the new Christians also were beginning their identity as a child of God, but also their vocation. So somebody tell me, what is your vocation? Now, I'm going to ridicule you if you're wrong, so just so you know that. I don't do that. Come on now. Right? What's your vocation? Anybody, raise your hand. What's your vocation? A mother. Very good. What else? Counselor. Retired. That's Bob. Yep. I'm looking forward to that. Right? Someday. So, you know, teacher, doctor, lawyer, uh, banker, business person, uh, salesperson, mother, father. We have all of these vocations. But first and foremost, we are ministered. Yes, you. And you are missionary. Yes, you. And so the new Christians were taught, and we need to be reminded, we're here on this earth to give glory to God as we share the good news of Jesus with others. Now we have all these other things, Very important things, we may or may not get paid for them. But that's our identity, child of God and our vocation as a minister of the gospel. Now, of course, Lent is a time of renewal. We've talked about that. During these 40 days, regardless of where we are on our journey, you could be a very brand new Christian. You could be someone who has walked away from the faith. You could be someone who's here every single week and serving in the church. Regardless, it's a time of renewal wherever we are on the journey. And so we we follow the examples of Jesus. We follow his pattern as we examine our own lives. So let's begin with those temptations. Now, you heard them read earlier. How many of you uh, identify with these temptations? Let's go through them. Anybody ever been uh, tempted to see a rock and turn it into bread? Anybody? No? Okay, well, that one kind of strikes out. Uh, Anybody ever been tempted to climb up to the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem and dive off to see if an angel would save you? Anybody? Oh, how about, well, we don't have to go to Jerusalem. What about the top of this building? Been tempted to get up here? and No? No, none of that? Okay. So it's it's not quite working out for us, is it? Well, you know, my problem has always been this, that uh, I have trouble identifying with these temptations because I am not the Messiah. Now I know some of you think I am. (laughs) The little people. (laughs) Sarah comes up to me after every service and she thinks I'm God, and that's kind of flattering, but I have to tell her, no, I'm really not. Nope, nope. So, you can all say it to me. Pastor, you are not the Messiah. Go ahead. I can take it. Right, right, right. And I am not the Messiah. Sometimes I'm tempted to believe that. I know that I'm not. Now, turn to the person next to you, and you can tell them too. You are not the Messiah, right? None of us are the Messiah. And so we have a little bit difficulty relating to these temptations, perhaps. But the resolution or the solution that Jesus used, I hope we can identify with. Because in all three cases, there is one command that the devil is tempting Jesus to break. Any guesses which one it is? thou shalt not have any other gods before me. So the devil comes to Jesus and pretty much says, all right, let's just say, if you are the son of God, if you are, okay, maybe you are. That means you've got God's power. You've been out here in the wilderness for 40 days and you've been fasting. You have not been eating. You are incredibly hungry. So use that power for yourself. Make it bread. And Jesus quotes from the Old Testament. He says that human beings, man, does not live by bread alone. It's not the physical that's so important. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that's what's important. The spiritual, the eternal, the godly, the divine. That is where your focus ought to be. Your focus ought to be on other people before yourself. And isn't that what Jesus does later on? He does have some bread and the people are hungry. And a few fishes. And he wasn't thinking of himself. But rather to glorify God in feeding the 5,000 with the provisions that were there. And so it goes then with the next one. There is Satan takes him to the top of the wall of the temple. And he quotes the psalmist. He says, if you jump off here now, the angels are commanded to protect you. And Jesus effectively says, yes, God, our Father, loves us. He doesn't want any physical bad thing to happen. But what he truly doesn't want is for evil to overcome you. How many times have I been up here and talked to you about this and I've asked the question, do bad things happen to you? Yes. Do you get sick? Yes. Are people injured? Yes. And God could prevent every calamity, but does he know? What he really wants to protect you is from the evil. And so he said, do not put the Lord to the test, rather trust in his plan. Not just for this life, but for all of eternity. And his plan is this, that this Messiah, the Son of God, is going to complete his journey. Regardless of the temptations of the devil, he will die. Yes, he will die so that you and I can live forever. And so we may have trouble identifying with Jesus' temptations, but hopefully not with the solution that God's power given to Jesus is also given to us. Now here's the real problem. It's the last point. Our biggest temptation is this. We like to think that we're in charge. I mean, isn't that what the devil whispers to the world? Oh, you've heard it. Be the captain of your own ship. Take the driver's wheel. Be in charge. I have news for you if you don't already know this. (laughs) If you think you're in charge, you're a fool. If you think that you're in charge of this life, you are an absolute fool. How do I know that? Because I've buried over 300 people and a lot of young people who had planned that didn't work out. So often in this life, regardless of our age, we think that if we fail, our life is over. But the good news is that God has got a better plan, one that lasts for all of eternity. And though our plans may not always work out, God's plan will. Because he's still in charge. So let's let God be God. This week, I don't know, I I read about a tragic story. I don't know, maybe it's been around for a while. It's the first that I heard of it. Maybe you've read it. There was a young man, he was in high school, a football player, popular kid in school, good kid. Good kid by by everyone's definition. And he got in trouble. He made a poor choice. Really, it was a trap. He did something that he would not have ordinarily done. He got a message from someone, I guess, in Africa. Truly an evil person. And the trap was to be engaged in a sexual encounter. And he was supposed to film himself first. He would never have done this ordinarily. But the allure of this encounter was too much for him to bear. He could not resist, and so he made the video. And then the hook. Unless you pay us $1,000, this video is going to go viral. Your mother's probably already seen it, the message went. And then the rest of your family, and then all of your classmates will see it as well. But if you send $1,000, it'll stop. You're a teenager. You have your whole life ahead of you. And yet all you can see that it has now come to an end. Who can you trust? What can you do? And you have this dark night of the soul, the terror of all your plans in your life ending. The next morning his father found him and he was dead. There is evil in this world. There is a devil. And there are forces that want to separate you from the love of God. But here is the truth. That young man had a family who loved him. Who would not have turned on him. And even if he might have been bullied, even if he might have had those in his class or in his school, who might have turned on him, his God never would have. God's plan for us is eternal. There is forgiveness for any sin. The devil constantly wants to tell us, your God wouldn't love you, your God wouldn't forgive you if you did that terrible thing. But God says to us, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. There is nothing in all of creation, no sin that will ever separate you from my love. How do we get through life? How do we get through the grind of Lent? When we're wandering in the wilderness, what do we have to hold on to? When we hunger for things that we can never have, we do like Jesus did. Remember who you are. A beloved child of God, so valuable that the Son of God would give up his life for you, and so powerful that he was raised from the grave. I don't know what tomorrow holds for you, I don't know the challenges or the temptation, but I know that God has a solution. He will forgive you all your sins. He will give you strength to resist the devil. But the final message that we need to take away today is is that the victory, even when we stumble, the victory has already been won. And that's why we come back week after week, Sunday after Sunday, celebrate. Happy Lent. Happy Easter. Thanks be to God. He's won the victory. Amen? It's all right. Let's make a